You're listening to The Bridge, a podcast on stories of courage, resilience, and innovation with me, Linda Fadrizi Williams, the president of Central Penn College. Welcome to The Bridge, a podcast all about resiliency and overcoming obstacles. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Fadrizi Williams, the president of Central Penn College. On today's podcast, we will be speaking to the chief operating officer of UPMC Central Pennsylvania, Mr. Lou Baverso. Baverso was integral in the creation of a strategic partnership between UPMC and Central Penn College, whereby students who successfully complete the program and are hired by UPMC will receive payments equivalent to the full cost of the program in addition to their salary. In addition, UPMC has begun offering a similar initiative for students seeking careers in the fields of medical assisting and phlebotomy. Before coming to Central PA in July 2019, Lou served as Vice President of Operations at UPMC Presbyterian Shadyside in Pittsburgh, which has consistently been ranked among the top hospitals in the state and the nation. Baverso has also served in a wide range of leadership roles in UPMC, including Vice President of Operations and Chief Information Officer at UPMC McGee Women's Hospitals. Baverso also strongly believes in being a lifelong learner, holding several degrees. He has a Bachelor of Science in Information Science from the University of Pittsburgh, a Master of Science in Information System Management from Robert Morris University, and a Master of Business Administration from Chatham University. Baverso is married to his wife, Susan, and has a 30-year-old daughter, Haley. Please join me in welcoming Lou Baverso. Wonderful to have you on the bridge today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. And congratulations. Recently just announced that you will be the regional president of UPMC once Phil Garnaschelli retires in September. That's incredible. It is. Thank you so much. So we booked you right at the right time because we had you booked and then an announcement came out and I thought this is amazing. Yeah, no, it's great. Wonderful. So we have a lot of questions for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about where you grew up, and then we'll talk about UPMC and the Central Penn Partnership. But first, you've lived nearly your entire life in Pittsburgh. So tell me what it was like growing up there. Yeah. So I grew up actually in the city, um, which was kind of fun. Yeah. uh, Right. Um, A little bit of a walking community, ability to go uh, pretty much anywhere you wanted to go. And uh, in the 70s, <laughs> hard to believe that's when I grew up, um, uh, you know, it was kind of you're out in the park, uh, you were in the street, right? You played till the street lights oh, came yeah. home and then you yeah. went home. Uh, so it was good. I enjoyed the city a lot. I moved out of the city uh, a little later in life and kind of missed being in the, in the city itself. I bet. Now, do you still have family there? Like, do you go back? Um, I do. I still have some family back there. And we try to go back uh, once a month if we can, maybe, you know, once every other month, depending on what's happening. Okay. Uh, But it's fun. So you mentioned playing sports like in the park and playing in the street. Did you actually play any sports when you were in elementary or middle or high school? I don't know if what I did was called playing sports, but I did actually play on a... You were um, on a team? Yeah, I was on a baseball okay. team as a young kid uh, in grade school. And, um, you know, I played, I think, left field where they put everybody that maybe doesn't play the best or catch the best. <laughs> um, but you have to throw the best, which is kind of That's funny. True. And uh, I did that for a short while and then kind of gave that up. I knew I wasn't going to the major leagues. Yeah. Well, you know what, though? Team sports, I talk about it all the time. Like just being in that team environment and learning what it's like to work with other people students and other people, it does teach you a lot of like leadership lessons. Absolutely. So any other activities that you did in school, clubs you were part of? 
Uh, you know, I worked um, when I got to high school. I actually oh, worked, okay. um, you know, a part-time job. I grew up in a family that had um, a business, and so you know, it was kind of expected that you would work uh, in the starting. restaurant. Yeah, right? absolutely. Okay. Even if it was cleaning the bathroom, that's what I did. A- after am I going to guess accurately <laughs> that it was an Italian restaurant? Uh, it actually wasn't. It was a really? more uh, generic diner kind of a restaurant. Oh, how fun! Um, yeah, it did. Uh, they did more mm-hmm. catering than they okay. did um, like frontline food, but okay. it was fun. That's super fun. I love diners, love growing up near diners. And we were trying to explain to our kids recently that they used to have like the little jukeboxes on the tables that you could put your quarters in. Like at least when I was growing up, they did and changed music and played music and they just could not grasp the concept. Yeah, try to explain a soda fountain, right? Oh uh, yeah, forget <laughs> it. That would they really won't understand that. Like you'd sit around where you get your soda. Yeah, yeah that's it. That's it. <laughs> Absolutely. So we have a lot of people that visit Pittsburgh all the time. They go there for weekends or quick getaways. Tell us some of your like hidden gems in the city that people should see, whether it's a restaurant or a tourist attraction. What would you recommend? Yeah, I think the first thing I would tell someone to do is to visit Mount Washington um, and mm. take a, a ride on the incline. Um, so the incline is actually sl- it's a car that slides down the mountain, and you get to see the city at its best. Oh, um, that's cool. Uh, you know, from the highest point um, within the city. Yeah. Uh, and it's really nice to do at night. Um, okay, I was so, going to ask you, yeah. night or daytime? You could do either, right? Okay. Um, there's two of them on the same mountain, and um, they're really kind of a form of public transportation um, for the um, folks that live up on Mount Washington oh, really? to be able to get down into what we call the uh, Station Square, um, hmm. and then you can catch a bus, really, or the trolley anywhere, but it's really a good sightseeing opportunity. Is that year-round? Yeah, uh, absolutely, year-round. Um, occasionally, um, you know, like the subway, it closes for due to a mechanical issue, but sure. for the most part, it's always running. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, And there's a lot of good places to eat. Pittsburgh has really become a foodie town, um, which is kind of interesting to see these small restaurants open. uh, And, uh, you know, you've got some great big restaurants, but there's a lot of like small um, places to go and, you know, a lot of eating outside now, which is really different. Yeah. You're you're probably going to be shocked when I tell you. I've never been to Pittsburgh. I'm not shocked. Oh, our producer Paul's <laughs> giving me big eyes. Yeah, I I have never been there and I I visited someone at the University of Pittsburgh once. Mm-hmm. Like when I was in college, but we pretty much were just on the college right. campus. So yeah, I haven't I haven't had that opportunity, and I know I need to. So it's interesting being here in Central Pennsylvania now. The number of folks that have never gone back. It's a to little Pittsburgh. surprising. It's not yeah. that far. It's the mountains and the tunnels. Well, so <laughs> I've gone to Seven Springs like multiple times. Mm-hmm. I've actually whitewater rafted oh, on go. the Ohio mm-hmm. Pile, which was phenomenal, and we we love it. So I've gotten I've almost gotten there. But I need to keep going. Yeah. And if you got to Pitt, you got to Pittsburgh. Okay. All right. Good. So uh, then I can say that I was there. there I go. just need to go back as a, right. as a true adult. So speaking of college, we talk a lot about resilience on the show. We talk a lot about just what it was like to go to college. And the experience is very different for different people. So tell us a little bit about your experience as a college student, particularly like when you were a freshman making that transition. Sure. So I'm... A bit of an explorer. That's mm-hmm. how I like to think about it. Uh, so I actually started my journey um, at Edinburgh University uh, oh, okay. in Erie, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I lasted the first semester until it snowed. Um, <laughs> and I recognized <laughs> when people were cross-country skiing to class, it probably oh, wasn't boy. the place for me. Uh, so then I came back, and um, I actually started my journey in education, to be quite honest. Okay. I was going to be an elementary uh, school teacher. Oh, how funny. Uh-huh. And I had the benefit. There was a uh, school on the campus and it allowed me the opportunity to see that that's not the career that I really wanted to have. Important to know early. 
and so I came back and I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. And so I went to community college for a while just to kind of keep uh, the basics going yeah. um, that I could transfer once I decided. Uh, and then I finally settled in on Pitt uh, for the information science program. Okay. Uh, and it's a funny story how I got there. Tell me. <laughs> so I want to hear. Um, uh, again, started out in, in education and then came back and thought I really wanted to, you know, kind of pursue something different. Uh, I have an older sister that um, uh, was in IT, mm -hmm. and uh, we were actually trying to, in this day and age, it would be called hacking, uh, a program <laughs> that will allow oh. the, the program to keep going past the date. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Like, I enjoyed the analytic component of yeah. not hacking, but um, of trying to figure out the software. Uh, and so I really you know, kind of found a niche with that uh, and so pursued that as a career. So let's talk about this because I did not know you started in IT and I didn't know you studied in IT until we were doing some research for this for this podcast and I think it's great for students to hear your story because often everyone thinks when they see people in my role and your role they think we just always knew we were going to do this right that it was a path we set out on and we thought we would be you know presidents one day which is insane you you went for IT but how does someone who studied I well first you went for education then you went for IT how does someone with an IT background and degree end up being the successor to a massive presidency at a major hospital in our region yeah I've actually I've been extremely fortunate in that in this journey and so you know I, I did finish IT and my first job was actually working with adult learners um, and okay. teaching them computers so remember this was the 90s yeah you know, desktops were just oh, yeah. coming out I can remember putting email on people's desks for the first time no one I, understood what that was that's right and I regret yeah. it now because now we're tied to our email on our phones and oh, had I known then what I know now I might have changed so my you're responsible <laughs> Or why we're glued to our desks. <laughs> um, but uh, in my time in my first hospital working with physicians, um, I got to uh, a little bit of a connection with the mission of a, of a hospital. Mm. Um, my mom was a nurse, and okay. so I had a little bit of an understanding of healthcare um, just from listening to her. Yeah. And so as we were implementing software and, and desktop computers and uh, things uh, around putting technology into the healthcare environment, it gave me a great opportunity to understand business of the hospital, right? Okay. Uh, not patient care. Right. But how other things impact and how technology was impacting um, healthcare and how we were making a change. And so I spent a long time in the same facility and I yeah. got a great opportunity, had a phenomenal mentor that really encouraged me outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. At one point later in my life, I went from the chief information officer to the vice president of operations for this same hospital because I built relationships and people knew me and they trusted me and that was the foundation of what I needed to be successful. Uh, and so I learned early on the power of relationships regardless of what you do. Oh, yeah. And that, that's a consistent theme in almost every guest that we've had on here, the power of relationships and mentorships. And so many people have had someone in their life that was pushing them a little bit harder or making them try new things or saying you should you should learn this skill UPMC, UPMC Pinnacle Foundation, and Central Penn College are working together once again to develop the next generation of healthcare professionals in the region. 
In February 2022, they rolled out an innovative surgical technician program in which students who successfully complete the program and are hired by UPMC will receive payments equivalent to the full cost of the program in addition to their salary. Now, the three organizations are offering a similar initiative for students seeking careers in the fields of medical assisting and phlebotomy. As part of this initiative, Central Penn College will offer a new 12-month, 30-credit medical assisting diploma program that requires students to attend full-time, in-person classes on the Summerdale campus. The Phlebotomy Technician Certificate is an existing nine-month, part-time program that includes a mix of online and in-person classes. Through an innovative combination of funding from UPMC, Central Penn College, and UPMC Pinnacle Foundation, program graduates who work at UPMC will receive payments in addition to their salaries equivalent to the cost of the programs. Students must complete at least two years of the work requirement at UPMC facilities in the Central PA region. Central Penn College is making the CPC Housing Scholarship, valued at $5,800 a year, available to all qualifying medical assisting enrollees who attend full-time. Students in the part-time phlebotomy technician program are eligible to receive a partial housing scholarship. Phlebotomy is a burgeoning healthcare field. Jobs for phlebotomists and phlebotomy technicians are expected to grow 22% through 2030, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Jobs in medical assisting are expected to grow 19% through 2029, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. For a full list of requirements, visit www.centralpen.edu slash UPMC. Because you had a mentor that was such a profound impact, do you now take that mentorship role for others? Is that something that you enjoy doing? Yeah, I do. And so, you know, it was so impactful to me. Um, I've you know tried to pay it forward yeah. in a variety of ways. Uh, so we have a fellowship program within UPMC where graduates, you know, come out and spend two years in a, in a kind of a management track. Yeah. Um, and so I have been... Uh, a number for a number of those students, a mentor, um, both in their kind of residency stage and in their later life in fellowship. Uh, and then I've really tried to find folks within my own organization that have um, some question that they want to answer and they need someone else to talk to. And so I've tried to make myself available and visible yeah. uh, to those folks because it's important. It's really important. And I think that's great. I think it's great that you have that level of like a leadership academy type of program where it's very deliberate about what you're trying to teach. So that's that's interesting. So I do want to talk about your your roles at UPMC. So you started in 1997. I did. I actually started in the most basic um, entry-level job that there was. I was a help desk person, and I basically told you to turn your computer off and turn it back on. So you started, <laughs> you know what's so funny? Our our, our IT department here mm-hmm. literally just got t-shirts for their department, you know, and it says... It says reboot. <laughs> it says, have you tried shutting your computer off and turning it back on, or something like that, or did you try to reboot it, something along It resolves the largest number of It really problems. does. <laughs> which always sort of baffles me. So you started as a help desk person mm-hmm. and you're going to be the next president of UPMC. That's right. That's remarkable. What What does your daughter say? <laughs> I know you have a daughter. Uh, are, are your daughter and your wife just sh- shocked or, well, probably not shocked because you've earned this because you've, you've worked your way up, but 
they must be so proud. Yeah, they really are. And, you know, they're both in healthcare as well. Um, and so, so your daughter is too. Mm-hmm, she works for in a behavioral health um, okay. uh, setting. And so, uh, you know, we connect at that level. Um, but certainly they've seen the uh, success that I've had. Uh, and, and they're a big part of that success, right? Their support, um, their willingness to forego where I am all hours of the day, yeah, right? Yeah. There's a number of reasons that they have been made this very successful for me. Yeah, and we're going to talk about family in the next episode because it really is impossible to have these roles without a support system Absolutely, at home. So let's talk about the healthcare industry, especially since you've been in the industry for 25 years. And we will talk COVID specific. So that changes that we're going to save that for the next episode. Okay. But how has the healthcare industry changed in the last 25 years? What are some of the biggest changes you've seen? And on the IT side, I mean, man, that's just massive what has changed there. Yeah. So when I first started in healthcare, there were um, there were no Teams meetings, there were no Zooms, right? There right. were conference calls, perhaps. Right. right. Um, there were you didn't take your work home uh, because you you couldn't, uh, yeah. right? You didn't have an iPhone or um, or even a tablet computer. Like mm-hmm. everything was relatively fixed to the desk um, that you worked at. Uh, and so in some ways, the quality of life might have been slightly better. Probably. <laughs> Less connected. Probably more balanced, That's right. yeah. And, uh, you know, from a from a care delivery perspective, it has greatly changed, right? Yeah. We we see different levels of care now within a hospital um, than we did before. Before mm. it was physician and nurse. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a lot more L- uh, LPNs, nursing students, uh, medical assistants, things along the uh, careers along those lines that maybe weren't as plentiful then um, yeah. as they are now. Uh, you have a lot more nursing that is uh, bachelor's prepared, right? And and paths for nurses to take along the career to continue to do more than uh, the bedside nursing, yeah. right? Um, and you have nurses that aspire to do leadership roles and you have nurses that aspire to be bedside nurses and those are both great right. career paths. So we see technology certainly change healthcare. Mm-hmm. Uh, healthcare is actually pretty interesting. I kind of call it a city within the city, yeah. uh, because there's every type of job possible, right? Which within. I think s- surprises people, or they don't think about it. That's right. Um, from an engineer to uh, you know a heating and air conditioning person right. to a nurse to a physician to an administrator, right, and yeah. all things in between. Yeah. And so you know, while it, we advance, we also go backwards sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's full circle. Sometimes we repeat ourselves. Uh, which is kind of interesting to to watch over the you know decades as it sounds terrible, but it is true of being in the industry and watching uh, how medicine has um, advanced, but also you know kind of started over yeah. uh, in the same process. It's really interesting, and I just think about from a, from a patient perspective. I mean, I remember when everything was a paper chart and the hardships to even go to a specialist and have to copy everything. And now if you're in a system and, you know, I do belong to the UPMC system. So all of my doctors are connected. They can see all of my files. I don't have to recreate everything. Even the specialists know what's on my chart. And it's there's a comfort in that. And it's I remember like when I lived back in New York, just like the switch to everything being on the computer. Doctors were so angry. They hated that they had to enter everything. I can remember medical assistants being in there trying to teach them mm-hmm. where to put, like where to input parts of the file. And now it's like, I don't know what we would do without it. And I don't know how we operated so long without it. Yeah, it's true. I think it's true probably of education as well. In every, right? I think every yep. industry with yeah. technology. 
But I can remember implementing an EMR, right, electronic mm-hmm. medical record, and they were oh, very yeah. well connected within the walls of the facility but not out, right? Now you're out and across the system, and actually we can connect to other systems. So you can actually share data globally. Yeah, um, it's wild. As it continues to evolve. Which which creates so much more access to to specialists and to healthcare, right. just the access to healthcare with telemedicine. That's right. Yeah, it's it's really it's quite remarkable you the can, industry that you're in. So interesting. Yeah, you can transport a specialist to a rural area that would have never seen a specialist before. You would have had to have traveled, you know, two hours to get to someone, and now you can, with the help of your phone, yeah, um, see that. It's it's pretty incredible. And UPMC in particular, you've had a lot of expansion in yeah. in, in the last twenty years. And I think about even like when you first moved here, and you and I met, I think like three years mm-hmm. ago. Um, just the expansion during that time. So can you talk a little bit about that and where do you see the future for UPMC and for healthcare? Yeah, so it's been exciting to watch, right? When I first started, uh, my first hospital was McGee Women's Hospital in the city of Pittsburgh, and it was not part of UPMC. And in fact, UPMC really didn't fully exist, right? They were independent hospitals that hadn't actually formed. Um, And so to watch the system um, kind of evolve and grow, uh, first very locally within the city of Pittsburgh and then start to expand out uh, to now 40 hospitals across the state of Pennsylvania, one in New York and one in Western Maryland, and then internationally. So there are, uh, I believe it's two in Italy and one in Ireland. Oh, I had no idea that yeah. you had international hospitals. And then hospitals. Uh, we're uh, part of a build in China as well. Wow. Um, we won't, it won't be a UPMC hospital, but it'll be a partnership with another okay. um, organization in China to build a, a, a brand new facility. So all good growth. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, 96,000 employees now across uh, UPMC uh, of, again, every flavor. So we've really become a bigger city yeah. uh, <laughs> within the state boundary uh, and um, a lot of good a lot of good things in every community that we've gone to. Mm-hmm. And here in central Pennsylvania, I think it's the same good story, um, the growth of what was just Harrisburg and to now the other regions within that kind of are adjacent to us. And again, it's about bringing life-changing medicine right yeah. into each region and bringing services that have never existed perhaps at the same level before. Okay. That's pretty incredible you're literally right. saving lives changing lives welcoming new lives so you're in a very admirable field thank you that wraps up today's episode of the bridge please make sure you tune into the second half of my interview with the coo of upmc central pa lou baverso next time we will talk more about his experience in healthcare since the onset of the covid 19 pandemic and the upmc central pen partnership i'm your host dr linda fadrizi williams take care and i'll catch you next time on the bridge Thanks for listening to this episode of The Bridge, hosted by Central Penn College President Linda Fadrizi-Williams. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a great rating on your favorite podcast service. The Bridge is available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes of The Bridge, stories of resilience, courage, and innovation with Dr. Linda Fadrizi-Williams. We'll see you next time. At UPMC, we're pioneering new treatments for cancer, and we're researching ways to prevent it. We're advancing new technology to find disease earlier, 
and discovering answers to get you back on your feet faster. We're a global team of more than 90,000, advancing care everywhere and delivering it closer to you right here in central Pennsylvania. UPMC, life-changing medicine. Visit upmc.com slash advancingcarecpa.